We are all connected. So join me as I talk to like-minded people about topics that are appropriate to the current times we are living in. My name is Lerato Shabalala and this is Relevant everyone welcome to relevant you know where to get this podcast i would do the spiel normally but today i want to get straight into it my guest was one of the reasons i started this podcast when people were asking me why i want to do this podcast i use her as an example over and over and over of why i called it relevant she's been in our lounges our dining rooms <laughs> our cell phones she's been on our radios in our cars and she's just one of the most phenomenal phenomenal woman i've ever met in my life i'm very lucky to 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 know her and i'm just so excited to have okay let me, let me just chill i'm so excited <laughs> to introduce you guys i have to we are born a male i have to try it that's how excited i am I today have the one and only Melanie Bala. Mel, how are you? Hey, Lerato. I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. This is, this is an honor for me because it's the last show of the year. And I mean it when I say that you were one of my top five inspirations for this podcast. I really, I wanted... Um, to help people figure out how to um, have longevity, figure out yeah. how other people do it, and also know that people who have longevity also struggle, <laughs> like the rest of us. Um, so thank you so, so much for honoring this. I'm, I'm just very, I'm very so grateful. Glad. Thank you for having me on as the last guest. That's quite yes. funny. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so Mel, when I was looking at your career and I was reading all your interviews, one of the things that was clear was that there's not that much people know about your childhood. So I thought it would be nice to actually start with how did you grow up, um, your family, what were you like as a kid? But just like, let's take it back. Let's actually, let's actually explore where you come from. Gosh, um, you know, my childhood, I always say, was, I will not say idyllic, but pretty close to it. You know, we were really close as a family, grew up up the road from like my grandmothers and my uncles and my aunts. And, you know, so it was myself, my mom and dad, um, three siblings, an older sister, then brother, myself, and then a younger sister who's the lad lamiki of the family. She's 11 years younger. Sure. Um, and we really just, you know great memories of my mom was a great cook. So Sunday lunches around the table, um, you know, setting the table for dinner every night. We had dinner together every night. My dad traveled a lot for work. Um, but yeah, and we, we, we were fortunate enough that my parents, you know, took us to multiracial schools from day one um, in Pretoria, uh, sort of a, a private convent, you know. So I was exposed to all sorts of people from the get-go. Um, and we, my dad loved to travel. So we used to go on holidays, you know, down to the coast, down to Durban or Cape Town, Swaziland, um, you know, all over the place. And really just really great memories. You know, we were really close and, and we still are as a family. You know, I think that's something that is, is one of our really intrinsic kind of family values is that, you know, you stay close, you stay together, you have each other's back all the time. That's amazing. And in relation to your siblings, what were you like um, compared to them? Were you like the well? So I'm the first of three. 
So wow. I'm like, I've got firstborn syndrome, <laughs> you know, people pleasing. I don't want to let people down. <laughs> what was it like for you? What were you like as a kid? So it's really interesting. You know, my older brother and sister, very social, very outgoing, lots of friends, um, very popular, you know, and I was always referred to as, oh, you're Su Ying's little sister or, oh, you're Fu Wing's little sister. That was kind of my tag. Um, and because they were both so outgoing and well-known and popular and um, I was very introverted, very quiet in comparison. Um, and it really, I think it only was as an adult that I kind of started to find my voice and myself and my place um, in things, you know. But I was the quiet one. I was the, I was the bookish one. I was always, you know, we go to a family or wherever and they'd be out playing and I'd be in the corner having found a book like this, you know. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, that was me. Wow. Like, I can, I can see that i was also like a like a quiet kid like i can see that and so because we we got introduced to you through bob tv and then studio mix what music yeah. were you listening to at this time because i would imagine that you have a wide range of music so what was playing at your house what kind of music did you grow up around um at, at your house uh, definitely, you know, sort of all the great soul, R&B, I wouldn't even say pop, mostly soul and R&B classics, you know, that was, mm-hmm. my dad loved that stuff. So it was everything from the Taveras to the OJs to Peaches and Herb, Ashford Ooh. and Simpson, you know, and then later on uh, it was the Sade's and the, you know, it, uh, and a lot of, my dad loves Stimela and Sangamota and, mm. you know, that was kind of the influence um, music-wise that we grew up and around. So how does the child who's the most introverted, who's reading um, on holiday, end up being the one who's seeing not only a music show, but basically being very, you're, you're very public. How did that happen? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> If you ask anyone who knew me when I was a kid um, and say, do you think Mel would land up being on radio or television? They would say to you, never in a million years. Even now and again, like I'll run into old school friends and they'll be like, we cannot believe this is what you do. Because it's so, I was never in drama. I wasn't in the debating club. I wasn't in the, you know, uh, anything. That was just, I was always like in the background um, trying to disappear. So, Honestly, I it literally came after school when the opportunity came up to audition for something. Um, and initially, I'd seen an ad in the paper. I think I was fascinated by television. Let me start there. I loved, yeah. I loved watching television. I was fascinated by how it was made. I didn't know how it was made, but it, it interested me in terms of, I wonder how this thing gets put together. And so I saw an ad in the paper saying, would you, you know, auditions being held in Johannesburg, in Randburg. They're looking for, remember, continuity presenters? Yes. Yes. Okay. So I was like, mm, okay, let me try. And it was so weird. I don't know why, but I was like, let me go and try. And I did. I went to an audition, came to Johannesburg. And I, I'm sure I was awful at it. Awful. <laughs> I um, doubt it. Well, I'm, I'm pretty sure I was. You know, I was like this kid in like a suit that was too big for me, trying to look like I knew what I was doing. Um, and I didn't get that gig. But then a couple of months later, I got a call from someone. I don't know how they'd seen the audition tapes, but they said, uh, Bob TV is looking for people. Would you be interested in coming up to Mabatu and auditioning? Um, it's for a music show. 
And I was like, okay. And I think it literally was, so I'd, I'd finished school and I thought I wanted to study law. So I'd done first year law, but pretty, pretty quickly I realized, no man, this thing isn't for me. It looks, nothing, it looks nothing like LA law or, you know, all those cool legal dramas we used to watch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, think, I think a part of me was also looking for an alternative, looking for something else to do. And so the television thing, when I got the Bob TV gig was, I think that redirect, it was the thing that said, okay, try this. And I spoke to my parents. I, I didn't think they were going to let me go because I was only 18, had never lived away oh. from home, um, was like the baby of the family. And my dad said, yeah, go try. And I thought to myself, I'll, I'll give it two years. I'll give it two years and see how it goes. And here we are. <laughs> 20 plus years later. So when yes, did it become uh, from a, I'm going to try it for two years and see how it goes to, wait, I, like, I think I like this. I, I think this is a career. I think I could do this. I think when it became a career was probably once I'd started Studio Mix. So Bot TV was a great learning curve. Yeah. Um, you know, I got there and I not only hosted the show, but I worked in the production oh. office as well, putting the show together. So that was really, it was the most incredible learning curve because I met so many amazing people and actually learned the process of making television um, from start to finish. And that intrigued me as well. I think that was where I got a lot of, of my satisfaction and my enjoyment was like, oh, okay. So, you know, as a kid, I used to wonder how do they get the letters on the screen? You know, like when they put someone's name, they love that. Yes, yes. How do letters there? And when I got got to Bob TV, I was, oh, they use a Chiron machine. Oh, okay. So that part of it, I think, intrigued me. And that learning over that two-year period um, made me realize, okay, this is something I enjoy tremendously. I enjoy having an idea, scripting it, putting it down on paper, then going out to shoot it, um, coming back, editing it and actually putting together something that you then see play out on television. Mm. Um, but like by the time I got to, got to Johannesburg, the studio mix in, was November 93. Um, it was a different, it also became a different beast. You know, Bob TV was regional. I'll use the term regional. Mm. Um, so the exposure wasn't as great. And moving to SCBC one was like a huge shift because all of a sudden everyone knows you. Yes. Um, yeah. So that, like I said, I think that kind of for me to settle into that probably took another few years. But, but like I said, television was my first love. I, I just loved the process and the magic of it. You know, it's so interesting that, first of all, I think we are glad that you ended up on TV because we need to see your cute face. Thank the Lord. Praise <laughs> Jesus. Um, and I'll never forget, I used to remember, I used to watch Bob TV and Ken Lewis would end the show by saying ABC. I'd like, I'd, I've never forgotten that. Yeah. Um, so you are very interesting in that I feel like I relate to you a lot because you have a very public career, but you're not very public. Um, your private life is your private life and you share with us what you want to, but you're not, even at events throughout the years, you're not like, you know, like, <laughs> and so like, how, 
how have you balanced your private life versus your public life, especially because you are not a public person? You're not going to be like, I'm stories, I'm here. I'm on Twitter, I'm doing this, then I'm here and I'm here. You just, you manage to share with us what you want and what you don't, you don't. Yeah. I think that was a big struggle for me for a long time. Um, you know, and I think we've, we've changed so much in terms of how we approach that publicness, right? Mm. So my generation of people, um, all of us who are in the same age group who came up at the same time, we were very much about privacy. And so when something like a shua shui started up, you know, when I started, there was no such thing as shua shui. So, you know, it was, it was like an assault on my senses to all of a sudden have people write about you every week. Um, and, I, and I really battled with that because for me, it was focus on the work, focus on the work. Why, why is what club or restaurant I was at and that I was having a drink, a story, you know? And it really, like I said, for, for a good couple of years, I just, I think I also then withdrew slightly because I was like, I didn't want to be known for for where I was or who I was with or who I was dating versus uh, the work, which then got completely ignored. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I think I eventually found the balance in being like, you know what? I just need to be myself. I am, I'm not, as you said, I'm not the type of person who's going to be in the middle of the circle, you know, <laughs> throwing my handbag over my head or, you know, whatever it is. And, you know, I, I think that's great if that's your personality, but yeah. because I've always been more reserved and, and shyer, I think I've, I've had to find my groove and say, you know what, it's okay. You, you can let your work speak for itself. And then when you, want to, when you want to draw attention to yourself, you can do that by then agreeing to interviews. And when you agree to the interview, you can decide what it is you want to talk about. Um, and I've always said, it's not that people, we, I, you know, when I was married, it wasn't that we weren't asked to do covers of magazines or things or those, but we just chose not to because that was not what we wanted the focus to be. Mm. You know, I wanted my career and my work to be the focus and same with my ex-husband. And, you know, so those were just the choices we made um, in terms of how we worked and how we lived and, and what we put out there. And, I, and I, what I was saying about being different generations, it's so interesting now. I always say this, the current generation, like the kids who are in their 20s, they're such a performative generation. Yes. Yes. Everything needs performed and if it and if you don't perform it and you don't post it did it happen exactly <laughs> exactly me, I, I have a life i do things but you may not necessarily know because i i choose not to post certain parts of i have like a group of friends are like ah yeah 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 you and your instagram I, <laughs> it's about finding that balance and saying i i choose what i want to put out there and what i want people to know and so what would you say, um, ha what are the advantages of having a lot of people know you and what are the disadvantages of people, or it could be one, because I do think you get a little bit of both because um, I, I know that sometimes you, you do want to, you think you're in a safe space, you want to have fun. And I've caught people doing this. <laughs> like how about you in a club i can see you so like what have been the the advantages and the disadvantages of being famous um i think the disadvantages without a doubt are people making assumptions about you 
without having said a word to you, without having ever spoken to you. So there's the assumption where I remember going to a friend's baby shower once um, and post the baby shower the next day. She said to me, you know, my other friends were so surprised. They said you were so nice. They didn't expect you to be nice. And I'm like, but based okay. on what? <laughs> on what? Like, get them. I've never anything. So that's a definite disadvantage is the, mm-hmm. is the assumptions people make about you and about your life. Um, for me, the, I, I don't know if you say advantages, you know, I think I, the way I approach everyone is the same. Um, and I, I, I'd never use the, do you know who I am or do you, you know, whatever. I think it's really about, it's, it's how you step up to me. And I think mm. I treat everyone with respect. So even if someone says, oh, can, can we take a picture? I might say, I'm sorry, I'm with my kids. Or let me finish eating and then I'll do it. Or, you know, I... I want you to appreciate that I have boundaries in the same way that I wouldn't do that to someone else, you know, don't do it to me or try and be understanding that like I say, sometimes when you have a bad day and people are like, ah, and you're like, I think, yeah. Advantages. I don't know. I don't know. People send you free stuff sometimes. Yeah. It's nice. I won't lie. The free stuff is nice. I'm not going to lie. The, the free stuff is really <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know when you started realizing that maybe a lot of people know you? Like when you thought, hmm, I think now, <laughs> I think now I'm going to have to just bamba myself because people, do you know that yeah. moment? Do you remember when you realized that, okay, now this is beyond, like, I think people really know me? Like I said, that, that jump from Bob TV to SCBC was was the shift i don't say there's one particular moment but it was a definite you know kind of one month you could walk through you know uh, checkers or whatever and no one paid attention and then the following month and the months that followed it became where you see people like it, it was like is it her? <laughs> and then that's when you realize oh okay like now people know who I am because they've seen you on television and, and not just in Pretoria where I'm from or Joburg where I work, but I go to Durban or Cape Town or wherever. And it's the same kind of thing. Um, so yeah, that immediate period, sort of, I guess the six, seven months after I started Studio Mix was when I realized that there was a definite shift. Sure. But I, I, I can just imagine, um, how it was at the time you know when you're talking about the gossip mags when i was a journalist which is when i first met you um i worked for a magazine that wanted me to to do a column like that and i think i must have done it for a month and i was like "Mm, yeah um, not for me because i'm just not interested in other people's business do you know what I mean? I think right. everybody has, I, I'm not, I don't want you to be in my business. So I'm not interested in your business either. So I'm interested in your career. I'm interested how you got to where you got to, but like who you're sleeping with, like, I, I don't want to lie. Like, I, I, I don't care. You know, yes, so, yeah. you know, so I think um, that was a turning point for me as, as well, because then also as journalists, we were like, oh, you know, it created this rift between rift between us, where 
there's certain people you wouldn't allow to interview you because you know how the story would come out mangled, which and we and I didn't want to be seen as one of those people. I wanted people to know that they could uh, trust me and know that once they've talked to me, that their words would be as they were and they'd be proud of the, the, the outcome um, yes. of it. So you shot a cover this year for True Love magazine, which was, I mean, I think all of us were just standing so hard, so hard. Um, what has it been like accepting? So we're sort of in the we're we're in the forty range. <laughs> what is it like? <laughs> I know you're gonna say that, but you're still cute as ever. So please. But what is it like now when you approach a cover as opposed to when you were twenty something? Um, how how do you feel now? Because you know when um in our 40s what happens is that you know we're meant to be not so you know um and people want younger people but when i saw that cover you just looked so amazing bali soga did such a fantastic job with that cover what is it like now when you shoot covers i think for me there's uh the two well the, the big difference i think is you know like you say when you when you hit your 40s you ideally should become very self-assured mm-hmm. and very confident about who you are what you're about what you like what you don't like and that was i think the major difference if i compare it to my very first true love cover i did you know 20 close to 30 years ago i guess sure. i was I was a kid and I didn't know how to say, I don't like that top or I, I don't think my hair looks great like this or, you know, I just, I pitched up and, and I didn't want to be seen as difficult. I don't want to be seen as, uh, cause I was just starting out and it was like, Oh, I don't want to be seen as difficult or hard to work with. Um, you know, and you need the publicity. So I kind of, I just took whatever they said and, and wore whatever they said I should wear. Um, because I was young. And I hadn't found my voice yet. And even that, you know, and not just that particular cover, but I think, you know, the first geez, 10 years of my life in a space that very much judges you on what you look like and how you present yourself, um, I struggled to be able to say, I, I don't know if I want to do that or I don't know if I want to, you know. Mm-hmm. And that I think was the difference where this time around, it was like, this is who I'd like to shoot the cover. This is who I'd like to style me. This is who I want for makeup. This is who I want for hair. And even on the shoot, the stylist brings the stuff and I'm able to say, I love this, I love this, that's not me. Um, say to the makeup artist, uh, I love this look, I don't like... You know, just speaking up to, to make yourself look the best possible version of yourself mm. and standing in your, in your truth around what works for you and what doesn't. And it was so interesting when we were shooting, they did the first test shots, like one or two, which I had a look at and I was cool. And then every time they stopped... Uh, you know, and we change outfits, they'd be like, do you want to come and see? And I was like, no, cool, let's go, next one. And they were like, it's so unusual because a lot of people want to see almost like every single yeah. shot while they're shooting. And for me, it was, I trust you. I've asked you to, to take the pictures, you to style me, you to do my hair, et cetera, et cetera. And so I've done my part and now I trust you to do yours. Yeah. Um, and I think that's important to be able to say, this is my team. This is who I'm working with. And, I, and that comes from years of experience. Um, so that's the one thing. The other thing about the cover, which I thought was important also for me, was that, as you say, I'm, 
I'm not the 20 something it girl, mm. you know, <laughs> very far from it. Um, <laughs> but, you know, but I think when you hit your forties plus, there is an erasure of older women. Mm. You know, you, you just don't get seen. Yeah. Um, and, and not hating, but you know, that's just because there's someone newer coming up in radio or television or influencing or whatever it is. So I think often as, as a woman in your forties, you think to yourself, hi, I'm still here guys. I still exist. Like I'm still doing things. I'm still doing yes. all the things and things. And, and in fact, I've got, you know, 20 years of experience that I'm, I want to share, or I want to share with people. Mm. Um, and so that was one of the reasons why I, when I thought about doing the cover and was the 500th issue, I was like, definitely, because I feel like I'm representing for, for the 40 plus year olds, yeah. you know? Yes. I feel like I'm representing for them. Yes, you but really are. We, we need, yeah. we need representation. We need visibility. And I think we yeah. need also younger women to know your life doesn't end just because, you know, you're not the hottest person. There's a, there's an inwardness and a centeredness that comes to you uh, where we are now. And you're just like, actually, you know what? Like, I'm a vibe. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a vibe. Yeah. You find that you, you, because in your flagship, by the time you hit your 40s, you, you know who you are. I find a lot of women are coming into almost like a second phase yeah. of your life where the 20s and 30s were full of storm and drung and, you know, trying to figure yourself out and, you know, all the stuff. Whereas by your 40s, you're like, this is who I am. And, and you're finding your groove, you know what works, what doesn't work, your people, your tribe, your everything just kind of comes together and it flows so nicely. Mm. So it makes me think of, so I happen to know some of your friends. Do you have new friends, Mel? Are you like hashtag no new friends? Because, <laughs> <laughs> because of how long you've been in the industry and how um, you know, public your career is, are you very cautious about uh, the friends y- you make and keep? Um, and yeah, so do, do, do you, are you open to new friends? I'm not saying I'm asking to be friends. I'm just asking. You know, it's interesting. So again, I think the thing about getting older for the longest time. So I've had the same group of friends for, yeah, close to 30 years, right? So we all came up and met each other in Mabatu and we're, some of us were working in the same space and stuff. So I have that group of friends that have been the constant, that have been the backbone, the, the foundation of my life. They are there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also interesting because I've, I've, I've had to te- teach myself or tell myself to relook things sometimes because I think if you just know new friends and you're not... And you could miss out on meeting really great people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, not all your friends can be everything to you at once. So there are, they can be your party friends. They can be your book club friends. They can be your, you know, there's different yes. groups and different circles. So I've said to myself the last couple of years that I am open to meeting new people mm-hmm. and to say, oh, okay, hey, I like your vibe. I like your energy. I like your spirit. I like where you're at. And, and cultivating a friendship and I know sometimes it seems hard when you're older because you're like ah where do I start what do we have in common ah you know (laughs) but it can be um and and that's something that I've actively worked on the last couple of years to say I think also partly because once you know when you get married 
your, your circle becomes your husband or your wife's uh, friends and family and stuff. And then when you get divorced, that circle changes. That mm-hmm. circle changes as well. Um, and not in a horrible way, like people have left or they've chosen sides, but you know, it's, it can be difficult for people yeah. when a couple they like goes through a divorce to then figure out how you interact with them. And so that is, I think has also been part of the reason that has driven me to say, yes, I am open to, and I've met some great people that through other people or at things where it's been like, Hey, do you want to do a coffee? Cool, cool, cool. And, and just being open to new ideas. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to, like, I was also one of those people at the beginning. I was like, no, I've got the friends that I've had. We've been friends for however long. And I realized life, life is not only abundant, but it, it's long for a reason so that we are able to have new experiences. That's why we go to different countries. That's why we listen to different music, you know? Um, but when you speak about friendship, I cannot help but think about your friendship with Bob um and how we lost him this year and how jarring i think i speak for everyone when i say i think almost all of us thought of you you know almost all of us after clementine and 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 obviously his uh all of his children and his family we we thought of you because of how long uh your friendship was um what would you say bob's transition has has taught you mel about living in the now and being connected and and, and just about us as, as 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 human beings because we were we were gutted as a nation but we i don't i don't think we know the full extent of what you were feeling yeah i mean you know it's that thing of you know we only have a finite amount of time we all know it right but somehow in the busyness of life that gets pushed to the side when you get distracted by the work and the kids and the homework and the bills and the, you know, and you think you'll call the person, you think you'll reach out to the person, you'll have that coffee, you'll, you know, all, all these going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and for, I mean, like I said, I know that, I know that on a theoretical level, but sometimes, as I say, life happens. And then before you know it, six months have gone past, before, or six months or a year has gone past before you've seen someone. So I think for me, it really just reinforced that lesson where I'm now very, I'm very good about when I think of you, I'll be like, you know, I actually haven't spoken to Lerato in weeks or months. And even if we don't speak, but I'll send you a message to say, hey, Lerato. I'm thinking of you. I hope you're well. I hope the family's good. Love you. Take care. If you respond, great. We'll have a chat. But even if you don't because you're busy or you're going through stuff or whatever, I want you to know that I've thought about you, you know? Um, so that has, has really kind of just reinforced that I need to keep doing that and to keep saying to the people that I do want to connect with, pick up the phone, call them, speak to them, make time for them. Because as they say, love is a verb. It's in the doing. Yeah. It's in the doing. Definitely. I mean, I think I learned the same thing as well this year is that mm-hmm. I can't be like, oh, I'm going to call you. I was one of those people. I'll call you. I'll see you because um, I'm an introvert, extrovert. You know, really, I love people, but I also like being at home. My, my, yeah. my knee-jerk reaction would be just to be by myself. And I realized, actually, you need to check in with people. You need to tell people when you have that thing inside of you, this is reach out to Mel, do it because yeah. you do not know why. That's, that's happening. I know I have to let you go, but I have two questions that I want to ask you, Mel. 
because you were part of my inspiration for starting this podcast, I wanted to ask you, what do you think has made you relevant for all these years? Um, Why do you think that other people, and I mean, after almost 30 years in the bismal, you know, we've seen people come and go, you know, (laughs) there are people that I wrote about years ago that nobody even remembers now, like who? And they were huge then, but you somehow have seen every stage of this thing. And and th- th- there's, I'm not saying there's a formula, I'm not saying you have a formula, but I think it would be great for people who are watching you, who want to know how to have a career that has the kind of respectability that yours has, but as well as the longevity that you've had. You, you literally have been the embodiment of broadcast excellence, whether you're on TV or whether you're on radio. We are very lucky as a nation to have you. So what what do you think has has, has, has been one of the reasons why you're still here, other than the fact that you're amazing, obviously. <laughs> Thanks, babe. Um, I think it's, it's a multi-layered answer, right? So I think for one, one for me is to stay curious about things. Um, so like I say, I started in, off in television production, knew absolutely nothing about it, um, but was always curious. And we had a great director, the guy used to direct here to Top 20. Um, that I worked with. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> sure. And he said, there's no such thing as a dumb question, you know. So always be willing, don't pretend you know, ask, mm-hmm. you know, and get the answer and get the information you need. So I've always been keen to learn, and that applies across the board. You know, even on radio, you know, even though I'm, I'm a news anchor, I know how to run the desk. I don't need to know how to run the desk, but I know how to, because for myself, it's, it's interesting. And I, and I, I think, you know, you never know if the DJ is running late and you need to play the next song or the ads or the, you know, whatever it is, or the DJ drops dead in studio. (laughs) 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 And you need to step in. I I think I'm I'm always curious. I'm always learning um, about all sorts of things. Um, So that's one. The other thing I think is always say, don't be afraid of hard work. As talented as you are, if you don't have the hard work ethic, the talent will only get you so far. And I think when you make reference to people you've seen come and go over the years, you know, it's not that they weren't crazy talented, but sometimes if you don't show up with the work ethic, eventually people get sick of you, you know, mm-hmm. no matter how great a singer you are or whatever you are. Mm-hmm. If you just don't show up on time, you're not punctual you're not together, you don't know your words, you, whatever it is, people are eventually going to be over you. Um, so your work ethic needs to be impeccable. Know what you're doing, when you're doing it, where you're supposed to be doing it, what time you're supposed to be doing it, and show up prepared and actually do the work mm. um, every single time. I think that builds you that reputation of being consistent, reliable, um, excellent. Yeah. Excellent in what you but do. you're only as good as your last job, right? As your last whatever. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. And, but the thing is, you're only as good as your last job, but if you've built up a reputation over a number of years of being consistent, reliable, uh, hardworking, et cetera, the one time that you do have an emergency and you are late, people will put that in context and say, but Mel's never late. Exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? And say, we can, we can excuse her or allow her this time because we know, we know she always shows up on time and she knows what she's doing. Versus if you're late 10 times and you only show up on time once, you know what I mean? Mm. So, 
So that's the thing for me. Um, and then I think just in terms of longevity, I think the, the ability to, which is this year's catchword, to pivot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I think, you know, all the, when I look back so far at my career, I think all the great things that have happened to me have been on the basis of being able to, to redirect, to pivot, to say, this thing isn't necessarily working or this thing is finished. What next? Yeah. Um, I've stayed with law and been hard headed about it and being like, no, but this thing I must, even though I don't like it, but I must finish. I wouldn't have gotten into television. Mm. when my TV gig ended, I mean, I, I always say television is still my first love and I love it. And, you know, will I go back to it? I'd love to, maybe, you know. Um, but when the radio opportunity came along, it was the ability to say, I'm interested in this. I'm interested in this. How does this work? And saying, right, and changing direction and going towards radio. So I think the ability to, to be flexible to, when people say, oh, what's your five-year, 10-year plan? I always say, if I'd had a 10-year plan, I don't know if I'd be where I am now. Exactly. You know? um, so so the, that's, that's worked well for me. But don't try it at home, children. <laughs> <laughs> I really have done the same. And really, you traumatize yourself if you do what we do and you change industries and you change. It's really not for the faint of heart. It's not for everyone. It's really not. Yeah. Mel, do you think you'll ever get married again? You know what they say, never say never. <laughs> First stop. With a friend, I was like, men, you know, someone was like, oh, don't you hate men? I said, no, I don't hate men. Men are wonderful. They're like elephants. You just don't want to own one. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> you want to look at it like I was at a game park yesterday and there was an elephant. Oh, really? <laughs> exactly. There was, a, there was an elephant that was walking towards us and you're just like, you are great, but there. <laughs> there. Like, look, take some pictures. <laughs> exactly. Mel, I wanna, my last question then to you would be, you've done so much in broadcasting. Um, is there something else you want to do um, within the industry that you haven't done? Um, that you would say, yes, um, I'd love to. And, and in your children, are they um, sort of interested in the industry? Because I know with, with families, once you see, once both your parents have um, whatever kind of creators, like people who are writers, you, you find that somebody was an editor and somebody was a writer. So whenever families have a, a mutual thing, the, the, the children also tend to like the same things. Are they that way inclined or not? And would you encourage them to get into media? Well, I mean, it, it's almost like inevitable, right? So my son is forever mumble rapping. And I'm going to know that. Yeah, yeah, okay. Screw, screw. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, you know, but I think all teenage boys go through that phase of wanting to be a rapper, right? I don't know how long it'll last. We'll see if it lasts another year or two, right? I mean, he's extremely talented and with the rapping, and he also makes beats, like his dad, like great yeah. beat making, amazing wow. songs. Um, so that's dope. 
And then my daughter is the singer. She loves to sing. She's got an incredible, incredible voice. Um, and that's genetics, because I know it's not from my side of the family <laughs> at all. <laughs> at all, but um, it's definitely the biology. So she's an incredible singer. And I, I, right. even I think I know she'd be amazing at it. But I think their father and I have both taken the position that, you know, we're not going to push them. Um, because I think to push them to the point where they actually don't enjoy it anymore mm. would be detrimental. So we've chosen to let them kind of just feel it out, explore if, they, you know, she wanted to do singing lessons. So we did that. And we really just, we, we don't want, and also the pressure of then saying, oh, your dad is Zwei Bala. You know mm. what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. we don't want to pressurize them and we're letting them kind of figure it out. Once they know for sure that that's what they want to do, um, absolutely, we'd encourage them. I think in, in, uh, the same as in if they chose to do anything else. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll see. I mean, they're young, so we'll see how that plays out. Um, yeah. That's amazing. And then what about you? The other question about what do you, um, what haven't you done that you would like to do? Um, in fact, maybe it's not even in media. Is there something else that you would like to, to do? It's obviously not a five or 10 year plan. It's just a, an interest thing. Yeah. I mean, for me, I've, it's funny. I was actually saying to my sister the other night. Um, so I want to do my yoga teacher training. So, you know, yoga has literally changed my life over the last couple of years. Um, and I'm eternally grateful for that. So that's part of my plan is next year, I want to do my yoga teacher training. Um, I've decided, um, and it's really just finding the right space, the right teacher and signing up. And then who knows, run off and teach at a yoga studio in Costa Rica or something. Oh, wow. <laughs> that'd be amazing. I'd go, I'd come to your class. I don't want to lie. Like I watch your yoga videos and I'm like, I would, and it's nice to see a black woman, um, practice, um, yoga you know what i mean I, it, it would really be it would be yeah there are very, very few black uh, teachers in the space you know yep. there's, a, there's a handful but there are very few but there definitely needs to be more definitely um, yeah so inclusion is a big thing um but yeah i think that's on a personal level that's something that i really want to do professionally you know i always say um i'm still with metro fm and I'm really lucky in the sense that I love what I do. I love who I do it with. I love the team I work with. I love the station. Um, and it really has afforded me amazing opportunities. It's allowed me to raise my children, you know, and be present in their lives um, by being able to attend school things and, you know, all that sort of thing. So, I, and I still love radio as a medium. I do. I love the immediacy of it. I love the urgency of it i love the interactiveness of it you know all these things so i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens next we love you in it we love you in it and i hope you love your voice as much as we love your voice because most yeah. people who do radio things don't don't like their own voices yeah sometimes <laughs> i knew i knew now thank you so so much for your time um thank you for being an inspiration to me um thank you for really like i said being the embodiment of of excellence and for representing us as black women um and also showing us that we can be brave with our lives we can go through separations girl we can go through separations and come out on the other side we can be moms we can work we can be cute we can dance we can go to ghana and travel mm -hmm. just thank you for being you you have been so outstanding i hope the universe keeps you for as long as possible you are one of the 
most amazing people I've ever met in this industry. And just say wonderful, Mel, you, you are phenomenal. You're really phenomenal. Phenomenal. Oh my gosh, you're so kind. Thank you so much, Larata. I really enjoyed today. It's been awesome. You know, I have a lot of love for you. Anytime, anywhere, anyhow. <laughs> same, 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 same. Thank you so much, Mel. She's on uh, Twitter and she's on Instagram. Uh, she's both spicy and insightful. <laughs> and funny. <laughs> very funny. Yes, very, very funny. Thank you so much, Mel. Uh, thank you, baby. And I wish you all the best with the podcast and all the best for Christmas, New Year and everything. And just, yeah, look after yourself. Stay safe, babe. Same, same. Stay safe. It's December, but it's December with Corona. So please, guys, can we just yes. not <laughs> yeah, be safe? Remember in your house. Exactly. Yeah. Not, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> really going to the new, new year well, 2021. Um, let's kick ass and take names, Mel. That's right. Much love <laughs> to you, Mel. Bye. 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 Bye.